welcome all of you at RCC and all of our churches today because today we are wrapping up a series that is really answering a question and it's entitled The Five Things That Grows Your Faith. And it's answering a question that's really the core of who we are as a church and who we were designed to be individually because as we just experienced at all of our churches, um, there's that understanding that God wants us to have and this is why a growing relationship with Jesus matters so much that we are more than just who everybody says we are. We are who Jesus says that we are, and that means that we are his children. That means that we are kings and priests in his kingdom. And the beginning of understanding that, it absolutely changes your life. But that only happens when you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So in this series, Five Things That God Uses to Grow Your Faith, we're answering this question, how do you have a growing relationship with Jesus? Because the key idea here is growing the relationship. Now, this conversation of how to have a growing relationship with Jesus, it is built on the assumption that you are at one of our churches today because you're interested in having a growing relationship with Jesus, even if you're not even yet a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, some of you may be sitting here going, well, how does this work? How do you have a growing relationship with Jesus? Well, the reality is, before I begin to answer that question, I just want you to understand that we as a church, we believe that everybody has the ability to have a growing relationship with Jesus. We, we believe that the ability to have a growing relationship with Jesus is not just for church people or people who had a spiritual background. No, a growing relationship with Jesus because Jesus Christ, he was slain or he was slaughtered for us as we just looked at through the communion experience and he redeemed us. It is available for all mankind. And so we absolutely believe that it is worth your time. We believe it's worth your energy to invest in a growing relationship with Jesus. And here's why we believe this. We've said this for some years, and I'm going to bring you back to it, and that we believe it because following Jesus will make your life better, and it will make you better at life. See, when you actually mean, understand, excuse me, when you actually understand what it means to follow Jesus, it changes the kind of life that you're living, and it changes the life or how you manage your life. We could say it that way. For example, as we said last week, following Jesus, what it does, it makes your life better because in this sense, you begin to recognize your value and your worth as an individual. You begin to understand that you are somebody because Jesus says you're somebody. You're a person of worth and value. And so when you are confident in whose you are and who you are, it absolutely just makes your life better. Because see, when you understand who you are and whose you are, you don't have to live with all that fear and all that insecurity that just sabotages your life. But we also said following Jesus what happens is you begin to discover that you have meaning and purpose. So every day you're living with this sense of significance and meaning. So that makes your life better when you understand that you have meaning and purpose, that you're not a nobody, you are a somebody in God's kingdom. And then following Jesus, it provides you with peace because all of a sudden when you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a peace that you can experience that passes all understanding because you can be at peace with God, you can have peace with yourself, and you can have peace with others. So following Jesus, it absolutely makes your life better. But on the flip side, following Jesus, it makes you better at life. See, following Jesus makes you better at forgiving because you have received forgiveness. Therefore, it frees you from resentment and all of that anger that you've carried with you in the past. 
Following Jesus, it makes you kinder because you begin to understand God's love for you and you begin to model the fruit of the Spirit. So therefore, you're more patient, you're more loving, you're more self-controlled. So following Jesus, it makes you a better person. It makes you a better spouse. It makes you a better parent. It makes you a better friend. So if you ask me, does following Jesus make a difference in your life? Does it matter? It absolutely does. Not just because you want to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, but because it impacts your life and the impact that it's not only going to have on you, but the people that are around you. So it makes your life better and it makes you so much better at life. Now, last week we began this conversation and we talked about When it comes to having a growing relationship with Jesus, there's the part that you play, and then there's the part that God plays. There's God's part, and then there's your part. And the question is, how do I grow spiritually understanding that? Well, the Apostle Paul, he describes God's part, and he describes our part in a letter that he wrote to Christians in Philippi. In fact, you can follow along in your Bibles if you want to, but here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, therefore, my dear friends... As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and enact and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is this, God has a role in our growth. And we have a role in our growth. See, God's role is to work in you and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. And you go, what does it mean to act in order to fulfill his purpose? Well, the reality is this, is God acts in order to fulfill his purpose by pointing out where you need to grow. Areas that you need to grow in in order to become more Christ-like. And then what God does in order to act to fulfill his purpose, he empowers you with the person of his Holy Spirit in your life to empower you to live that out or to give you the power to do that. Grace is the power to change. So Christ's part or God's part is to work in us. But our part is to work out what God is working in. In other words, our part is to cooperate with what God is trying to do in us. Now, here's the thing. You can't cooperate with God if you don't recognize what God is working in. So this isn't some like fix everything all at once. This is about cooperating with where you see God working in you. This is about paying attention to what God is pointing out at every step of your life. And then you do what God says to to do. In other words, God's working in by pointing out so that you become more Christ-like. And then as you're in step with him, you work out what God is working in. Now, the way that you and I can measure whether we're growing spiritually or not, whether God, whether we're working out what God is working in, is measured by something that's so much different than what most of us measure our spiritual growth. Our spiritual growth is not measured by our feelings. In fact, we talked about this last week. Our spiritual growth is measured by how much you love. In fact, we said it this way. Spiritual growth isn't measured by how much you know, but by how well that you love. Everywhere the Apostle Paul writes about spiritual growth, he says the way that you measure your growth is not that you have more knowledge. In fact, what the Apostle Paul, he gave us a warning about more knowledge. He says more knowledge tends to puff up. But he says spiritual growth, a sign that you are growing spiritually, 
is that you love more. That is always the end result of God's work in you. You love him more, you love others better. You trust him more, you treat other people better. So don't miss this. Knowledge is not the sign of spiritual growth in your life. Knowledge is not the sign of a growing faith. Love is a sign of spiritual growth. Love is a sign of a growing faith. So if what you're doing for your spiritual growth right now in your life is not leading you to love Jesus more and to love other people better, if it's not leading you to trust God more and to treat others better, then you're not following Jesus or you're not growing in your relationship with Jesus. Now, last week we told you that there's a way to understand how to cooperate, how to work out what God is working in. And we told you that over the last few years of ministry, what we've seen is that God uses basically five things on a consistent basis to grow people's faith. Now, while there are other things that God uses, there are five like core things. So five things that God is working in that we need to work out. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. There is no one verse that lists all fives of the, five of these things. But whenever you see or hear somebody talk about their faith, you'll see these faith catalysts and so many people's spiritual growth stories of how their faith or how God grew them. In fact, we looked at the first two ways that God works in and then we need to work out last week. Let me remind, them of, remind you of them. And if you weren't here, this will be a great foundation for you. The first thing we said that God uses to grow your faith is practical teaching. So whenever we hear people talk about their faith story, at some point along the way, they'll say, I heard this sermon or I was in this Bible study and somebody explained the scripture in a way that not only did I understand it for the very first time, but I understood how to apply it in my life. And so they heard it, they applied it, and the result was they begin this path of growing spiritually. So that's the first faith catalyst that we said God uses is practical teaching. The second faith catalyst is what we call personal ministry. See, the other thing we discovered is when people tell their faith story, they'll talk about when they were invited or they were convinced, or maybe they were just pushed into volunteering in their church or going on a mission trip or volunteering like at a nonprofit in the community. And without exception, they'll talk about how their faith has never been quite the same because when they stepped out, and they started doing personal ministry, and they started serving other people by ministering, it put them in a position to trust God at a level that they've never trusted God before. It gave them the opportunity to work through relationships at a level they've never worked through relationships before, and it gave them the opportunity to do things for God to do things through them that they could never do on their own. And so these are just foundational to the five things that God uses to grow our faith. But there are three more faith catalysts that God uses or that God works in that we need to work out. And I want to introduce those three today. And they're all connected. So make sure that you kind of see the connection to all these. The third faith catalyst is what we call private disciplines. Now, I'm going to tell you, I think this one is the one that is lacking the most in our culture today. Because we are so distracted with social media and with technology that this is not happening in most of our lives. Here's what you'll discover. People who have a growing relationship with Jesus, they at some point in their life, they reach that point where they begin to work out what God is working in. And what we mean by that is they begin to work out their faith by developing some, you could say, spiritual habits. 
It's another word for private disciplines. They begin to work out some spiritual habits in their life. They'll talk about how they begin to take the first few minutes of their day and they begin to read God's word and they begin to pray and their faith begin to grow. And at first, when they first started reading God's word, it was like they couldn't understand a whole lot. But the more they read it, the more they were able to comprehend. And let me just go ahead and tell you something. The difference between me saying something that feeds you through God's word and you hearing something directly from God, you have a tendency to forget quicker what I will say to you than what God says to you. We don't forget what God says to us. We forget what other people say to us. It's just the way it works. It's amazing. When God speaks, it's so clear, and that's why this discipline is so important. So what happens is, is they begin to realize, as I begin to spend time listening to God through his word, and then as I begin to spend time talking to God through prayer, all of a sudden I realize I can be honest with God about everything because God already knows everything about me, and he loves me anyway. And so I can be honest with him, and it changes their life completely, and their relationship with God begins to grow. And then they'll talk about what happened when they even took that to the next level and they begin the habit of fasting and they would add in times and just focus times where they would block out something in this world, whether that be food or some kind of form of entertainment or something and say, instead of doing that, I'm going to focus on God in prayer and scripture reading and how when they begin to have times and periods of fasting and making God first in that way in their life, I mean, their life just would grow exponentially. And then they'll even talk about what happened when they finally begin to understand that they were just stewards and managers of everything they had, that God owned everything and they owned nothing. And so all of a sudden, generosity was at the top of their priority. And so they would pick like a percentage and they became intentional about their generosity. So they'll talk about that or they'll talk about that time when, man, God challenged them to give this big gift to some ministry need and and it scared them to death. They're like, God, we don't think we can afford that. But they took this leap and they saw God show up and do this amazing thing in their life. See, those are the kind of habits. Those are the kind of private disciplines that fuel our spiritual growth. And I am convinced that most people who have a growing relationship with Jesus, I'm convinced that I would not be where I'm at today if I had not been practicing private disciplines in my life on a consistent basis pretty much for most of my adult life. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You're going, yeah, but man, I'm I'm older now. Here's the thing. You're, You're never too old to develop these habits. You're never too young to need these habits. We, we need them in our lives all the time. In fact, let me just go ahead and say something about these private disciplines. This is, this is not a, a fun ride at Disney World. And I think that's what most people is, we want to be entertained. It's why we will go watch something on Netflix or YouTube or go to some other social media instead of going to private discipline. This is a discipline. It's a discipline. In fact, there's been a lot of days where I've read God's word and I've prayed and, and kind of walked away from that going, man, that wasn't real helpful. Or I gave some money and I thought, well, that didn't really change anything. Because see, there was nothing that seemed special about it in that moment. But what I've come to understand, and I think some other Christ followers have come to understand over over the period of years, is that our relationship with God is like any other relationship. And you might want to write this down. And that is this. Consistent time with God over a period of time, it changes you. Don't miss that. The key word is consistent. It's why the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2 that we just read. He says, continue to work out. 
In other words, consistent time with God over a period of time is what changes you. It's those little, small, incremental investments of time over a long period of time that have a huge impact. So slowing down every day to reflect on what God is saying and God is doing, it makes it so much easier to hear God when he is speaking or when he wants to say something to you. Oftentimes people go, well, I don't ever hear from God. Why doesn't God speak to me? Because if you don't slow down, see, God speaks to us in the margins of our life. He speaks to us through whispers. He speaks to us in the silence and the stillness. And if you don't have that in your life, you're not going to hear his voice. The rest of the world will drown it out. In fact, looking back over my life, I can tell you pretty much every defining decision I've made in my life, um, every, every defining moment in my relationship with God, it has been birthed out of these times alone with God. Every one of them. And same thing has been true when it comes to this whole giving thing. And I realize some of you, you're, you're, you're like, I was never taught that. I, I mean, that's just the whole, I just, I don't give money away. It's my money. I earned it. This whole idea of giving a percentage of your money away before you do anything else with it. I mean, it just doesn't seem real practical to you. But I will tell you, that was something that was modeled for me as a child. It was taught to me to take at least like 10%. That's what the word tithe meant. 10% of whatever I earned and give it back to God. And I am convinced that this habit has made my life better as well. And you go, how has it made your life better? I think it's made my relationships better. I think it's made me a better person. And you say, well, how does that make you a better person? Well, it kept greed from consuming my life. It's kept my focus on others because we're always thinking about others. Well, how, what can we do for others? It's allowed me to make a difference for my life over a long period of time. You go, wow, investments and giving away, it really does make a difference in other people's life. It's allowed me to have to live within margins and say, we're giving this much away, so we only have this much, and learn how to be content and have peace in the process with living on less than what you, what you um, bring in. So that's how generosity teaches us to live content because here's why. Generosity, what it does is it breaks the grip of greed on the human heart. That's why generosity is such an important private discipline. It breaks the grip of greed on the human heart. And the other thing is generosity, it teaches us to trust God like nothing else. Because it makes no practical sense in our world to say, well, I'm going to give a percentage to God. I'm just going to give back to God. When you don't know what all you're going to need in the future. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't save and, and, that, and have a budget, those kind of things, but it's like, God, I'm going to make you first. So let me just ask you a couple questions about this. Are you spending time with God on a regular basis? And are you practicing priority percentage giving? Literally, are you putting God first with your time? And are you putting God first with your resources? Are you putting God first with your time? And are you putting God first with your resource? If not, I would encourage you, try it. I mean, for the next week, for the next month, I mean, get up 10 minutes earlier, turn off the TV 15 minutes earlier in the evening and read a chapter from scripture and then go talk to God about whatever is on your mind. And then maybe sit down and develop this plan of how you're going to give a percentage away. Maybe it's not 10%. Maybe, what, maybe all you can afford is 1% or 2%. But just make generosity part of your life. Try it for 30 days. And every time you give something away, remind yourself, this is God's. I'm his manager. And it's not about me. It's about what I can do for him and his kingdom. And I know many of you are sitting there, I don't think I can afford it. But I'm telling you, you will be amazed at what you do whenever you budget your time and your money. Whenever you come up with a plan and make it a priority to spend time with God 
first in your life and to give God back first in your life. And I know neither one of these habits in the culture and the world that we live, neither one of these are easy to develop. But I'm telling you, they are important for you to develop. There are huge rewards when you begin to do this because once you develop the habit, I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did because all of a sudden there's a whole other level of a relationship, of a sense of growing in your relationship with God that you can't experience any way. Now, here's the thing. If you are missing this private discipline component in your life, I just want to challenge you, get started today. This is a powerful way to cooperate with what God wants to do in and through your life. This is a powerful way for you to begin to work out what God is working in. So that's the third, that's the third faith catalyst. The fourth faith catalyst that God is working in that we need to work out is this one. It is providential relationships, providential relationships. Now, my guess is if I were to ask you to tell your faith story at somewhere in the conversation, you would start to begin mentioning names of people who are influential in your life. You would talk about somebody who said, man, they made me think about faith at a level I never thought about faith before. They made me explore faith at a level I never explored faith for. Maybe you tell me about the person who invited you to go to church or to a small group or to a Bible study. Maybe you tell me about a small group teacher or a small group leader that you had in middle school. Maybe it was a Bible study leader that you had in college. Maybe it was a coworker who lives so differently that you couldn't ignore them. It was a friend maybe that just kept taking you out to lunch and they started listening to your story and they taught her to hear you talk about your doubts and your disappointments and all your questions. Maybe it was somebody who cared enough about you that you were about to make a really dumb decision or a really stupid decision and they leaned in and they warned you about that, and they kept you from making that decision. And you would say something like a friend of mine said to me recently. He said, he's my age, and he says, I think I need to do a dinner for all the people who have impacted my life at different moments in my life before some of them pass away. Because he said, man, if it weren't for these people in my life, they were, where I, they were where I needed them to be in that moment. God placed them in my life in that moment just when I needed them. I can't imagine, he said, where I would be without them. Do you know what God calls those kind of relationships? Those are providential relationships. And they're powerful because God created us to grow in community. He designed us to help one another grow spiritually. In fact, the writer of Hebrews is very clear that it is in relationships that is one of the faith catalysts for our growth. Notice how the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, you'll never have the kind of growing relationship with Jesus that he intends for you to have if you aren't intentional about putting your life or putting yourself into other people's lives who encourage you to grow and you encourage them. Literally, he says, there are people in your life that you need that need to spur you on. If you want to know what that means in the original language, the word spur, it means exactly what it means. It means to spur. It's like to kind of gouge or prod or poke you to make you go like this is like they'll say, that's not loving. That's not a good deed. I mean, they just tell you like it is in this moment. You need people to spur you, and then you need people to encourage you. You need some people in your life that are spurring and some people that are encouraging. 
That's one reason about every couple months or so I get up and tell you, man, if you're not in a small group, it really is worth prioritizing your time. And I know you're like me, you're busy. I know your schedule's overwhelmed and you're super protective of your time, especially in this season. But here's the thing. I have prioritized groups in my life for most of my adult life. And I can tell you that most all of my providential relationships, the relationships that spurred me on toward love, the ones that encouraged me on when I was in the middle of despair and discouragement, I'm telling you, they came out of a small group. Most of my providential relationships, and you will experience those. That's how you work out what God is working in. He has those people that he wants in your life at certain seasons of your life to help you, to spur you on, and to encourage you. But you have to work out, and the way you do that is by opening the door to experience those relationships. And here's the other thing. When you get in a group, something like that, and you spend an hour or two a week with people who want a growing relationship with Jesus, then here's the thing. You're able to talk about what it looks like, what it means to have a growing relationship with Jesus, but you also hear the perspective of people who are so much smarter than me or maybe even smarter than you because you need to hear from a lot more people's perspective about life and you begin to hear their stories and you begin to hear about their life experiences. And I'm just telling you, there's so much of their stories and life experiences that are going to help you. But the reality is we don't think about it that way. Now, if you're not in a group, here's something else that you need to understand. Not only do you miss out hearing what other people, their life experiences and how they can help you, but the people miss out hearing your life experience. They miss out hearing your story. They miss out hearing your wisdom and how God has used you and grown you. So it's not just about what you can get. It's also about what you can give. Now, here's the thing. The reason I am so absolutely convinced that the providential relationships and private disciplines and personal ministry and practical teaching are so important in your life is because of the last faith catalyst that God uses to grow our faith, that God will use if he, he's going to work in it if we'll work it out. And it is this one. It is pivotal circumstances. Now, let me just say something about pivotal circumstances. This is the one faith catalyst that you can't influence on the front end. Pivotal circumstances just happen. Sometimes pivotal circumstances are good. In other words, you get in a relationship with someone and God has put them for that moment in time and it ignites your faith. You move to a new city, you get married, you have a child, and all of a sudden you experience a whole other level of life and it just grows your faith. But oftentimes, pivotal circumstances are not necessarily good things. Oftentimes, pivotal circumstances, they are tough times. There are times when you start wondering, God, where are you? God, what happened? Why, why didn't you keep me from this? And here's the reality. Every one of us have gone through a pivotal circumstance in the last 18 months. We've all experienced a pivotal circumstance in our life. See, pivotal circumstances are those kind of circumstances that take you from just saying rote prayers that maybe you learned as a child where you get on your face before God and you really tell God what's on your heart. But see, God uses these and he allows these in our life so that we will lean into him and he'll use these to work in us if we will work out and it grows our faith every time. But here's the key. Don't miss what I'm about to say here about pivotal circumstances. I've watched this play out in hundreds of people's lives over the last 20-something years of pastoring. Is the circumstance that a person faces, they ne that's never what breaks their faith. Don't miss what I just said there. The circumstance that a person faces is never what breaks their faith. It never is. See, here's the thing. You're going to pay, face pivotal circumstances in life that 
They could break your faith or they could make your faith. Don't miss that. You're going to face pivotal circumstances in your life and it could make your faith or it could break your faith. But here's what makes it or break it. Your response to pivotal circumstances is what makes or breaks your faith. And here's why we say this. I can point to you person after person after person who all went through very similar circumstances. And one of them, it grows them closer to God and other people. And the other one walks away from God and becomes bitter toward people. One just saw their relationship with Jesus grow. And the other saw their relationship with Jesus deteriorate. But it was the same circumstance. The difference was in their response. And here's the thing. Your response to any pivotal circumstance in your life is usually determined by the strength of your faith when the circumstance happened. Your response to any pivotal circumstance in your life is usually determined by the strength of your faith when the circumstance happens or when it hits. Which means the best way to grow through pivotal circumstances is to grow before pivotal circumstances. That's why developing, that's why working out these other four faith catalysts, these other four things that God uses to grow your faith, it's why it matters so much. It matters that you are consistently listening to practical teaching when it is not urgent because one day it's going to be urgent. It's why serving in personal ministry matters on a consistent basis because as you serve others, you're preparing and developing your character for the tests that are to come. And it's certainly why private disciplines and providential relationships matter so much in your life. Because if you wait until that crisis happens to start spending time with God and to spend time in prayer, if you start waiting until that crisis happens to get the supportive relationships, you have waited way too long. Now, that doesn't mean that God's not going to help you, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to make it through it. But I guarantee you that if you develop these other habits in your life, your confidence that God is with you, it will be a lot stronger than if you have not developed those habits in your life. If you've not invested in your relationship with God and your relationship with other spiritually growing people. See, there's far more that hangs in the balance of your spiritual growth than what you realize. So your role is to work out what God is working in. And the way that we can discover what God is working in is by looking at these faith catalysts that we're talking about. Now, just like there's a role that you play and a role that God plays in your spiritual growth, there's also a role that the church plays in your spiritual growth. And here's the thing. It's probably not what you think it is. The church's role in your spiritual growth is probably a little different than what you think it is. Most Christians think it's the church's job or the pastor's job to be completely responsible for all their spiritual growth and their spiritual outcomes, but that's not how it works. While there is a role that the church has in your spiritual growth, it is so much different than what you think. And this is so important if you're going to experience a growing relationship with Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he identifies this, what the role of the pastors and the church leaders are in a book called Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to follow along, verse 11, here's what he says. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up, which means that my job is to equip you to feed yourself, to help you know how that God uses these tools to help you spiritually grow is to equip you and challenge you to work out what God is working in. In fact, 
From the day that I began pastoring this church, we've been very, very intentional about structuring. Don't, you, don't miss what we're saying here because this is so important. We've been so intentional about structuring everything we do in our church to make it easy for you to practice and for you to get engaged in these five faith catalysts. See, for example, when you and your family show up on a, on a Sunday on a regular basis, what happens is, is you get consistent practical teaching. And, and that teaching then it's all about you understanding scripture and then you going out and applying what you learn. And then the other thing we do is we also make it, we encourage and we make it fairly easy for you to serve here. Because when you do that, you're engaged in personal ministry. So think about this. You can show up every Sunday and apply these first two just by showing up on a Sunday morning. And I'm going to tell you, when you show up and you get practical teaching, you go out and apply it during the week, and then you come in and you do personal ministry, maybe that's even on a Wednesday uh, with our student ministry or adult ministries when you do and in, in lead a small group. Here's what happens. You gain the most when you serve. And then not only we encourage you to say or build our whole process around where you can easily engage in practical teaching and serving, but we encourage you to get in a small group because being in a small group, it op opens up opportunities for you to experience providential relationships. And so then what happens is when you're in providential relationships, somebody who's helping you grow, they're spurring you on and they're encouraging you. What happens then is you have a group of people around you who encourage you to live out in your personal life those private daily disciplines and see when you do those consistently when you work on these first four consistently it grows your faith so that your faith is strong enough to handle any pivotal circumstance that might come your way so here's the thing if you are part of our church and your faith isn't growing to a large degree, it might be because you're not taking advantage of the environments and the opportunities and the way that we have designed to help you leverage these in order for you to work out the five things that God is working in in order to grow your faith. So the question for many of you is this. So what do I need to do? What is my next step when it comes to growing my faith? Well, I think you need to look at this list of these five things and ask yourself, which one of these things am I not applying? Which one am I not investing in in my life? Which one am I not working out as God is working in? Because if you want a growing relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you folks, you have to pay attention to where God is working in. You have to stay in step with him by working out what he's working in. And the only way to know that is for you to be engaged in all of these first four so that when you hit number five, you have a strong faith. Now, some of you may be with, with us today and you're going, I got no intention of taking any step. I got no intention to change anything. And that's really up to you. But I want you to consider something that's very important. A year from now, you're going to have some kind of faith. A year from now, you're going to have some kind of relationship with Jesus, whether it's growing or whether it's not growing, whether it's a big faith or whether it's a little faith. And you know what all that depends on? It really depends on your willingness to work out, to engage in what God is working in. Now, here's the other thing I know about you from a year from now. You're going to be facing some, different, some kind of life circumstances a year from now. And I can promise you, you have no idea of what that will be. None of us had an idea of what our lives would be facing right now a year or two later. And you can't control what's around the curve, and neither can I. See, you can't predict what your next broken dream is going to be. But here's the reality. You can prepare for it.
So the question for you this morning, are you building a faith? Are you investing in these things that God uses to grow your faith so that you can handle whatever comes your way on the next curve? Because here's what I know. If you will simply commit to consistently listening to practical teaching and applying that. Remember, we looked, said last week, if you don't apply, it's worthless. Information without application has no foundation for your life. So if you'll consistently listen to practical teaching and apply it, if you'll consistently serve other people through personal ministry, if you will consistently put these private disciplines in your life by putting God first with your time and putting God first with your resources, and then if you will open yourself up to providential relationships by consistently being in some form of group life, if you will consistently work out these faith habits, here's what you can be guaranteed of. Your faith will grow, which means this. You will trust God more. You will treat people better. You will love more. You'll live better. You'll be ready for any pivotal circumstance that comes your way. We're not saying it won't be hard, but you have the confidence that God is with you and that you'll have the strength because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You will have a growing relationship with Jesus. And a growing relationship with Jesus, it makes your life better and it makes you so much better at life. It's going to give you the confidence that you can face anything that comes your way. So here's the thing. You have a choice to make. Are you going to choose to work out what God is working in? Because you're getting to choose that. And here's the thing that I also want to say to you is this. You, you get to decide that. You get to decide whether you're going to do it. But if you make the decision to say, God, today, I am going to, be le- I'm going to begin leaning in on a consistent basis into practical teaching, personal ministry, private disciplines, and providential relationships. So when I face a per- uh, pivotal circumstance, I have the people and I have the resources and the tools around me. Man, we are behind you. We would love to know that because we want to lean in and help you through this process. Here's what I can promise you as your pastor. If you will do your part, God will always do his. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity just to again this week, begin our week by pausing to look at what does it mean to have a growing relationship. And God, I thank you for your part. I, I thank you that you did the hardest part you, you went to the cross, you died, you paid the price for our sins so that we could be your children and be in a right relationship with you. But not only that, but we could be kings and we could be priests in your kingdom. We could understand our value at that level. But God, we also know that we have a part in this and our part is to work out what you're working in. And I thank you that you, you've given us some areas in scripture that are just really clear if we'll apply these things, um, man, it'll change our life. It'll make our lives better. It'll make us so much better at life. But more importantly, it does that because we have a growing relationship with you. So, Heavenly Father, I pray this week for some of us, we're only applying one of these. For others, maybe one or two. For others, none of these. For others, we're doing three or four, but we're not putting our heart in it. I pray that today will be the day we make the commitment to lean in to practicing these four disciplines, these habits. Then, God, I'm just asking for the power of your Holy Spirit to continue to encourage us and spur us on, whether that's through your word or through that's the people that you're going to put in our lives. Thank you for the end result, that you're going to be glorified, our lives will be changed, and more people will be led to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, everyone, thanks so much for being with us today. Have a great day.